the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, ladies. Welcome to Open My Eyes. I'm Lori Wilburn. Psalm 92.5 says, How great are your works, O Lord. Your purposes are very deep. It's easy to praise God when things are going well, but what about when things are going oh so wrong? Sometimes we can get blindsided by a job loss or a devastating diagnosis. Perhaps you live with a loved one who's battling addiction. Often that little voice in our head tells us, I never thought that following Christ would look like this. Beloved, there are going to be many circumstances in our lives when our trust in God's work will be tested. Elizabeth Elliot said, Either we are adrift in chaos, or we are individuals created, loved, upheld, and placed purposefully exactly where we are. Can you believe that? Can you trust God for that? To learn more, visit my blog at corechurchla.org. He's looking for a heart that's willing to listen to what he said to do and to do it. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbert. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, log on to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Let me ask you today, Have you allowed the Lord to work and move through your life? Will you open your mouth? For we are in unsettling times to say the least. The direction of our country, where it's moving right now, is not in the greatest place. Let me just say that. Yes, we are surrounded by uncertainty. And that's why, as believers, we must be ready to share. Jesus said in Matthew 5.14, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does any light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a lampstand so it gives light to the whole house. He goes on to say, Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may tangibly see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Yes, but getting back to Jacob, picking up in Genesis chapter 30 from where we left off last time, God blessed his life. But let us not forget what Jacob promised God back in chapter 28 when God spoke to him. Because in that time of true conversion, Jacob had turned over his wallet to the Lord, you could say. Genesis 28, 22 said, This stone which I have set up as a pillar will be in God's house. And all that you give me, Lord, I will give you a tenth to you. It was his grandfather, Abraham, that started giving the Lord 10% of everything he had. Yes, there are a couple of reasons why we as Christians can and will be blessed. You want to know why? You want to know how? It's not because you claim some blessing. 
Number one, Jacob promised a tenth of all that he would earn to the Lord. And number two, he was a hardworking man. I wonder if that could be said of us. Are you in line for the next promotion at your job? Not because you're claiming the job promotion, but rather because you are earning it because you're the hardest working person in your department. And the other reason was Jacob was committed 10% of his earned income to the Lord. That's why God said, you people are robbing me in Malachi. What do you mean we're robbing you? You're stealing from me because you haven't brought in the tithe. The very word tithe means a tenth. He says, the tenth is mine. God says, bring it in. Now, do you think God needs your, you know, do you think he needs your money? I mean, God could make uh, a mountain of gold the size of Mount Everest. You know, Mount Everest is the highest peak on the planet, 29,029 feet although some are saying it's 29,031 feet now. Maybe it's growing. I don't know. But it's like God can make, he, he says all the gold and silver is mine anyway. He's the one who created it. God doesn't need our money, but he's saying this is an act of obedience. And I've learned in life when people are willing to turn over their wallet, they usually will turn over their heart at that point. So it's like if you go to a church and they're begging for money, get out of that church. We as pastors are not called to beg you for money. If you don't want to tithe, don't tithe. Don't give anything to the Lord. You don't have to do anything. It's yours. Don't give anything. But God is saying, if you hold back from me, I will hold back from you. If you give me in little portions, I will give you in tiny micro portions. But he says, but if you trust me, as he said in Malachi, and you bring the tithe unto me, I will open the windows of heaven. I'll pour you out a blessing in your life that you can't, that you can't handle. Reminds me of this guy that was trying to get to heaven, and he gets to the pearly gates, and he's talking to Peter. It's a true story. No, just kidding. But, <laughs> but he gets there, and he's got a suitcase. He's like, i got to bring the suitcase in. He goes, look, look, there's no U-Hauls up here. You don't bring anything to heaven. You just come in yourself. You can't bring anything in. You've got to let me bring the suitcase in. You don't understand my whole life. I just, I just use one suitcase. So Peter's like, all right. He's sending an angel over. What's he got in the suitcase? He opens it up, and it was filled with gold. And the angel looks over and snickers at Peter. <laughs> He's got a suitcase of asphalt. <laughs> Streets are gold in heaven. You know, it's like, again, what God is looking for in giving of tithes, all he's looking for is obedience. He's looking for a heart that's willing to listen to what he said to do and to do it. I wonder if there's anything that's holding your heart from totally surrendering to Jesus today. Yes, Jacob, he worked hard. He was a diligent worker, and he was thorough in his reliability to the Lord, and God blessed him. He blessed him. Let's read what happens next here. Now, picking up in verse 31 of chapter 30. So he said, what shall I give you? This is Laban. Jacob said, well, well, pops, you shall not give me anything. How about that? If you will do this one thing for me, and I will again pasture and keep your flock. Let me pass through your entire flock today, removing every speckled and spotted sheep and every black one among the lambs and the spotted and speckled ones among the goats. And such shall be my wages. So just give me the ones that have spots and everything on me. There's not that many. 
So my honesty will answer for me later. Like you'll never say I took one of yours because I only have the spotted ones. There was only a handful of spotted ones. And everyone that is not spotted among the goods uh, and black among the lambs, if it's found with me, it'll be considered stolen. So look, that's how we'll know whose is whose. Laban said, good, let it be according to your word. He's like, yippee, sounds good, because he looked over at the flocks, and there's only a handful of ones that are spotted and speckled. So verse 35, so he removed on that day the striped and spotted male goats and all the speckled and spotted female goats, every one with white in it and all the black ones among the sheep. And he gave them into the care of his sons, and he put a distance of three days. Now take all of those three days' journey away between himself and Jacob. And Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Then Jacob took fresh rods of poplar and almond and plane trees, and he peeled white stripes in them, exposing the white which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the gutters, even in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink. And they mated, and they came to drink. So verse 39, so the flocks mated by the rods, and the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted offspring. It's like, what is going on here? This is crazy. Well, okay, so let's get back to the beginning here. So finally, you know, Laban opens up the checkbook. You know, my son, he's, you know, uh, my son-in-law, he's going to get out of here. Okay, this isn't good. So he realizes the days of free labor are over. So he goes back to his old ways. The last time he asked Jacob what his wages should be, Jacob sold himself short, as you know. Ended up working for almost two decades for free. Maybe Laban's thinking, this guy, yeah, this kid's not too bright. You know, he's not the sharpest tool in the ship. So Jacob asked for what appears to be the most insane request imaginable. I can only wonder what Laban was thinking. Yeah, give me the spotted and speckled ones. He's thinking to myself, did I just die and go to heaven? Jacob doesn't ask him for money. Just give me the speckled, you know, the speckled and spotted sheep and goats. It's like, what are you talking about? Has he lost his mind? You know, these were considered lame and inferior animals. You know, the flock, it's crazy. It's like he's looking out like there's only a handful of those, you know. So Laban was thinking, oh, sure, son. Yes, my boy, as he looked over his huge flock. You know, it's like, you know, that's a good choice. Yeah, what a deal. This is amazing how Laban doesn't argue a bit with Jacob here. He's still conniving and manipulating his own son-in-law. After all of these years of taking advantage of Jacob, his own son-in-law, he's now willing to continue to take advantage of him. Know this, the world is full of Labans. They will take advantage of us. The Bible says to us Christians in Matthew 10, 16, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, therefore be as shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Be shrewd in your dealings. I see so many Christians go buy a car. Oh, they just go in there. They walk in and it's like, yes, let's serve you. You you buy this car. The tires match your hair. It's black. Okay. It's like whatever. And then you get in there and then, and it's this and you're grinding and the price and that. And you're just, and you finally just get to the point. I don't care. Just sell me the car. I just want the car. And you just, you, you pay the highest interest rate. You, you pay the highest price. You, you pay too much for the extended warranty. Everything is like be shrewd. The Bible says. You should never walk into a dealership to buy a car. What's wrong with you? Figure out what you want. Then you, you want a Toyota Camry? Call five Toyota dealers. 
Get them on the phone. How's it going? I want a Camry. I want this model. I want this color and this color interior. What's the best price you can give me? Now, that's not going to work. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Five dealers. And do you find those guys dog eating dog? And they will get that car for you for less than cost. That's how you buy the car. You just go pick it up then. And it's like, this is the price that we agreed on. This is what you emailed me. This is the price. That's what I'm paying. And then you get in there. Yes, of course, you know, you're buying a brand new car, but it's a piece of junk. That's why you need the extended warranty. The warranty is not good enough. You need to buy the extended warranty. Do you know that those extended warranties have all kinds of markup in them? It's just like my wife, you know, bought her a Subaru and they're like, yes, it's like, you know how much labor costs? You know, labor is $150 an hour, you know. So, and then they, they scare you. It's like, yeah, you got to buy the extended warranty. It's like he started off at 2500 bucks. Oh, I bought the extended warranty. For 800 bucks. I mean, it's just like there's just markup and everything. Be shrewd. Don't just believe someone for what they say. It's like be shrewd. You know, be a wise steward of your money. You know, don't sit there and say, I have to have it today. It's like, well, I'm going to buy a new car. And I don't know if I'm going to buy it from you. I'm going to buy it from the dealer down the street. Now, I'm going to buy the best price. That's what I'm going to buy. The Bible tells us to be shrewd. Well, I'm sure Laban was thinking, I better jump on this before Jacob changes his mind. Then Jacob removes all the spotted animals from the flock and moves them three days away and starts mating, you know, the existing non-spotted animals with what appears to be a little hocus pocus. He lays out rods with stripes on them. So when the sheep come to drink, they would, you know, be mating and looking at the rods with stripes on them. Okay, what does that even mean? Was this some early form of, you know, prenatal influence here? Having sheep look at stripes. I'm, I'm seeing stripes. Well, I'm mating. I'm going to have, have, have striped babies. I mean, it's like some scientists said that this can have an effect on the outcome. Other scientists say, this is ridiculous. That would never work. Okay. Had God given Jacob, you know, insight on the DNA structure of genetics to manipulate the gene pool of these sheep and goats to see more come out spotted and speckled? Well, leaving Genesis aside, Jacob had spent his entire life tending sheep, and I'm sure he had observed many things. But before we give too much credit to early DNA manipulating here, let's see what actually happened. Because later in chapter 31, he reflects on this, and this is what he says in 31 verse 10. He says, and I came about at the time when the flocks were mating that I lifted my eyes and I saw in a dream. God had given him a dream. And behold, the male goats, which were mating, were striped and speckled and spotted. Then the angel of the Lord said to me in my dream, Jacob, I said, here I am. And he said, lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats, which are mating, are striped and speckled and modded. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. Yes, the Lord had a plan from the beginning. At this point where this deal was made with Laban, Jacob didn't have anything. No money in the bank, nothing to show for his 20 years of labor. But notice in verse 12 of chapter 31, God said, I have seen all that Laban has done to you. 
I have seen how he's taken advantage of you. Know this, God knows our every breath. Nothing slips his eyesight. He knows our plight and our position in this life. Some might ask, well, if God knows that I'm in trouble right now, why doesn't he help me? Pastor, why doesn't he deliver me right now? Well, look, I can't answer for God. I don't know. There's a lot of variables, I'm sure, in your life. But what I do know is this. The quicker we are delivered, Are you listening? The quicker we are delivered, the less we learn. The quicker God intervenes, the less we learn. I'm not sure why, but the only way we seem to learn lessons is by the school of hard knocks. The more we get pounded, the more we get thrashed, the more there's like, oh man, I'm in this valley forever. I'm in this road. I'm in the quicksand. I'm dying here. And then we come out of it finally. God finally delivers us. And we're like, I'm never going back there again. I'm not making that mistake again. I'm not falling back into that sin again. So it's like, when God delivers too soon, we don't learn anything. The more we get, the more we're spoiled. But notice God told Jacob, go home. This is after quite a bit of time again. We're also told that in the last verse of chapter 30 that Jacob became extremely prosperous. So those last few years he stayed there, oh, God was multiplying those spotted and speckled sheep and goats. Oh, my goodness, man. It was just like all of a sudden, father-in-law Laban's, uh, you know, flock is doing this, and Jacob's is doing this. Again, this was God's obvious hand of blessing on Jacob. Now we have Jacob being, number one, homesick, combined with the calling of God to go home. People ask me all the time, what is God's will for my life? A younger person will ask me, who should I marry? What occupation should I have? Well, let me answer that. I'll tell you the person you should marry. Don't marry anyone who doesn't love Jesus more than they love you. Who should I marry? You marry the person that has a real relationship with God. Not some, yeah, yeah, I believe in God. What? The devil says he believes in God. Okay, so what does that mean? You know, the demons believe in God. You know, remember when the man at the gatherings, you know, it's like, you know, Jesus, we know who you are. You're the son of God. Don't, don't send this out of here. Send this into the swine. And, the, and God says, okay, go into the swine. Jesus said, go into the swine. They all jumped over the cliff and they all drowned. You know, the first place of deviled ham in the Bible. But anyway, whatever. But it's like, the point is this. The point is like, God knows everything about us. He knows everything that's happening inside. He knows all the details of everything. You marry someone who loves Jesus more than they love you. What kind of job should you have? Go do whatever you want. God, I just I, I don't think God really cares. It's like, you want to be a dental technician? You you want to you want to be a cowboy? Okay, it's like you know you want to go ride Broncos? It's like look, you got to earn a living. It's work. Work is work because it's stinking work. Okay, so it's like you're going to have to work. So do whatever you want to do, but be a light that shines while you're doing it. That's what matters. Be a light that shines. When you get older, we ask, you know. Tell me there's something more to this life. No, there's nothing more to this life. It's always going to be a problem after another problem this side of heaven. But there's another life to come. And that's why you serve God in this life that will pave the way for the next life. That will pave the way for the next life.
Yes. It's like, of course, there is, you know, God desires us to be who he's called us to be. That's why Jesus said in John 6.33, or I'm sorry, Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. What? All your needs, the things that you really need in your life. Not what you want, but what you need. You think, I need that $1 billion lottery that's back on the East Coast. Uh, no, okay, well, hold on. It's like, no, God said, I'm going to give you what you really need. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jacob told Rachel in Leah in verse, in verse 4, your dad's attitude towards me has changed. You know, people are not happy with us when they see God's hand of blessing on us. God was blessing his flocks. Laban didn't like him anymore. And it's just like, so Jacob, without telling Laban, packs up his family, leaves. Rachel goes in. Rachel, his favorite wife, goes in to her father's home and steals his household idols. These are little figurines of female deities. You know, we're not sure why she took them, but she did. And Laban... Man, he sees that Jacob took off and left without saying goodbye, and now his little idols are gone? Oh, he's mad. He wants a piece of of Jacob now, so he comes after him. Let's see what happens here in our third and final point, heading home. Chapter 31, verse 27, it says, Why did you flee, Laban says as he finally got up to him? Why did you flee secretly and deceive me? I can't believe you deceived me. This is the deceiver himself. And he did not tell me that, that I might have sent you away with joy and with songs, with timbrel and with lyre. And, and you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have, you have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night in a dream, <laughs> saying, be careful not to speak either good or bad of Jacob, or I'll kill you. <laughs> it's like, so verse 30. Now you have indeed gone away because you have longed greatly to your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Then Jacob replied to Laban, because I was afraid for I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. That's number one. That's why I left secretly. Number two, 32, he says, the one whom you find your gods shall not live. Go ahead and kill him. I don't care. We didn't take your stupid gods. He didn't. No, obviously. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what is yours among uh, my belongings and take it for yourself. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. Well, it's obvious there is a, a, a lot of idolatry in this family. No wonder God wanted Jacob out of there. God didn't want Jacob's children to be raised with an influence of idolatry around them. But when Laban hears that Jacob fled, he's, he's hot under the collar. How could you deceive me? Again, coming from the biggest conniving, double-crossing manipulator on the planet, threw his daughters under the bus, threw this young man under the bus for who knows, 25 years. And he wanted to punish Jacob. But again, God told him in a dream, don't you dare touch him. Yes, God watches over those who are his. Just like Pharaoh concerning Sarah, remember? When Pharaoh took Sarah, Abraham's wife, in, and he was going to have her as one of his wives, and, of course, he had a dream that night, and God said, you lay one hand on that woman, you're a dead man. He's like, oh, yeah, let me give her back. <laughs> yeah, wise man. That's like what Jesus said. Anyone that comes up against one of my little ones, oh, you might get away with it for a little while. Oh, you might torment a Christian for a while. But you come up against one of my little ones, it'd be better to have a millstone wrapped around your neck that weighs two to 400 pounds and thrown into the depth of the sea. How about that? 
Yes, Laban searched for his idols. And after searching everywhere, the last person to search was Rachel. And she, I don't know if she's sitting on a camel or what. And he's like, well, you get up. You know, I can't find them anywhere. She's sitting on them. All right, whatever. <laughs> she had them. Anyway, I don't know what ever happened to those things. But anyway, that's in verse 35. But uh, And now Jacob gives glory to God. He realizes that when the chips are down, the Lord had his back. He realized God had his back. Genesis 31, 42, it says, If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been for me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. You know, Laban, you're a stinking dog. You're my father-in-law, and you're a dog. If it wasn't for God looking out after me, you would have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my affliction, he says, and the toil of my hands, and he's rendered judgment last night. He told you not to touch me, and you better not touch me. You better take it up with the Lord. Yes, the Lord will always watch over us. Maybe this has been a really tough year for you. It's been a tough year for everybody, everyone. But let us never forget, God has promised to never leave us or forsake us. Amen. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbur of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.